weekend is not complete without the First Lady of New York Radio. It's the Joan Hamburg Show. Talk Radio 77 WABC. The holidays are almost upon us, and the city is booming. It's very complicated if you want to be midtown. Do not bring your cars no matter what you do. There are street closures all around the tree. People are coming in from all over. It actually feels good to see New York thriving. And by the way, Broadway is doing great, too. A Beautiful Noise made a lot of money. There is a lot of stuff. Merrily, we roll along and off-Broadway Music Man is knocking them for a loop with all the grosses they have. And the Lion King. Don't forget, these tickets are great holiday gifts for Hanukkah or Christmas. Hamilton, Wicked, Phantom of the Opera. And, in fact, Jeffrey Richards, who's a very well-known theater person and a Broadway press agent... He's behind Ohio State Murders, which a lot of people think is great. And you've got a Christmas carol doing very well there. Some like it hot, 1776. It's a good time to come into the city. And don't forget, check out Sardi's Restaurant. It's part of theater history. And it's a great place to have a lunch or go for an early dinner if you're there for a matinee. And it just feels good to be in and around the city. And there are so many things to do. Just the other day, I went to a lunch at um, a private club in New York, the University Club, and Tina Brown has written a new book on Megan and Harry. That place was packed. So many people are, I guess, the documentary, too, By the way, did you know that the documentary, which Netflix had, was one of the highest grossing docs they have ever, ever had? There is so much interest. And people can't believe it, that Harry and Meghan, but they are incredibly popular in Europe, and they are drawing the crowds to the documentary, to television. Anytime their names are mentioned... People's hearts start beating fast. So it's an interesting phenomenon. And we're going to be with you, holding your hand if you need it, through the holidays. And it's a nice time of year, no matter what you celebrate, to have people over. And there are so many people, even if they don't celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah, who feel lonely at this time of year. So it's a nice time to invite people over for tea, for a drink, for cookies, for whatever. Order takeout Chinese food if you don't want to cook or make a fuss. And I loved when we were researching all this uh, takeout Christmas and Hanukkah food, and rib roast was among the popular, most popular main courses uh, for all these people who sell it. So if you want a high-end holiday meal, you can listen to some of our features and try not to get yourself all stressed out. Enjoy it. And this is also a good time to make a little contribution because every little bit makes a great difference. 
And again, we want to thank you for being part of our audience. It means a lot, and we love hearing from you. So stay tuned. We've got a great show ahead. We're going to deal with a famous Broadway actor, and we'll sit and chat about that. We'll give you food suggestions. We have a lot of good stuff. And again, thanks for being part of the Joan Hamburg audience. Don't forget, every Sunday at 2 o'clock, you can always listen to our podcast. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on social media. We're everywhere. So stay straight ahead. I'm Joan Hamburg. The First Lady of New York Radio. This is Joan Eats. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Well, I'm very happy with all these holidays coming upon us to talk to one of the great chefs, personalities, writer, lifestyle person, the one and only Rocco Despirito. And I can't even tell you how many years ago I met Rocco, but I was having dinner with a New York Times food person, and she said, there's a young guy, I don't even think he's 20 years old, and he opened a restaurant called Union Pacific, and I hear it's terrific. Let's go. So we went, and it was unbelievable. It was so delicious. And that was the first time I met Rocco. And that was the start of a very busy, interesting, exciting career. And Rocco grew up, you know, he wasn't to the manner born, but his mom was very serious about food and a really good cook and could make a meal out of almost anything and loved it. So that's where you got the bug from. And no one discouraged you, or did they? Uh, the bug definitely started with my mom and in her kitchen, in the kitchen of my grandmother and my aunts and uncles. Um, and correct me if, I, if I'm wrong, but were you were you dining with Dan Barber the, that first night you, you came into? You mean you yes, one the, of one of my um, extended family made, sons. No, I actually didn't go to you the first time with Dan Barber. It was with Marion Burroughs who was viewing restaurants in those days for the New York Times. But Dan was, and Dan had gone in there, right? Dan of Blue Hill fame. Yes, he was in, he was in there. I I thought he was there with you at one time. He was. So we're we're going, oh, he was. Okay, good. We're going back a long time now. Uh, But yeah, to answer your question, the bug definitely started with my mom, no question about it. Uh, growing up in a traditional Italian American home, you know, there's lots of food around, and you know, food was just always a part of part of life, uh, and cooking was always a part of life. It's, it's. I think things are very different today, and uh, you know, you could you could grow up and not even be exposed to people cooking these days for the first 10, 15 years of your life. Um, but I was fortunate to have that experience, and you know, my family made, still made their own bread and wine and preserves and canned tomatoes and they still do to this day actually and they're they're almost in their 90s now but um but then i started working in new york at restaurants in new york city and that really uh you know spurred on 
my love for the craft and for cooking and, and gave all the uh, energy my career needed. Well, I first heard about the keto food, and, and you actually wrote a book that people can still get called Rocco's Keto Comfort Food Diet, Eat the Foods You Miss. And I think that was it, and lose up to a pound a day. But you were very into healthy food, too, without getting rid of all the foods we grew up with or loved. Yes, I always thought it would be, you know, reasonable and prudent to try to figure out how to eat the foods that we grew up loving and the foods that we love, you know, today. And some of them are considered junk foods or, you know, sort of, weeknight meals, but, you know, we're talking about fried chicken and pastas and, you know, chicken wings and tacos and guacamole and that kind of thing, and figure out how to, how to take out most of the unhealthy parts, the processed carbs, the, uh, the you know, intense amount of sugars, and keep what's good. And in, in the Keto Comfort uh, Diet book, that's usually protein and, and fat, because uh, in, in the context of a keto diet, you want to have a high-fat, high-protein diet or a moderate-protein diet, high-fat diet. And uh, I I was able to do that, and that book came out March 2020. Yeah, and that's still definitely still available. And, you know, that comes after nine other books on health and wellness. Uh, And, you know, really proud of my record on health and wellness. Um, Although I am working on my first book that is not a healthy book. What is it? That will be out this time next year. Uh, It's it's an everyday meal book. Uh, We don't have a title yet, but it's basically me cooking at home. And um, health and wellness is not mentioned once. I'm, I'm delighted to say. <laughs> okay, it's just, good. Uh, the, the focus is delicious and delicious only. No, and, and well, it was time for that, right? You know how to make delicious food, and I still—I don't know if you're doing it, but I remember when you had a food delivery service. Yes, yeah, still doing that. Yeah, and, and still still delivering healthy and delicious food. Well, of course. And everyone wants you to cook for them. I read a story about, you know how, I forget what it is. I think it was the Times uh, does something on how people spend their Sundays. Do you remember that? And they they talked about you, and I couldn't believe it. I said, how does that guy eat that much food and look so good on a Sunday? Uh, And you, you talk about you get up sort of at the crack of dawn, have a little protein shake, go back to bed, and then you would start eating at different intervals during the day. Yeah, Sunday is Sunday is the breakfast day. It's the day that I I'm not really concerned about what I eat. It's um, it's unlike the other six days of the week where I'm closely monitoring my food and drink consumption, counting calories, counting you know grams of fat and alcohol and all that boring stuff. And Sunday is the day I. I kind of just give into it all. Um, but you know what's interesting? If you're if you're moderate during the week, it's easier to stay moderate on Sunday. So it's not really like a, a complete You're, you're stuffing yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you still go to Balthazar for Sunday breakfast? I do as often as I can. Uh, so, yes, in the Sunday routine article, they talked about how I combine my breakfast, lunch, and dinner into <laughs> one big brunch and uh, I still try to do that as often as I can. Uh, but I love all of Keith's restaurants. I go to I go to a lot of his restaurants wherever I can. Uh, but Balthazar has the nicest seafood platter, which is also very healthy, by the way, and really uh, fun. And if you're looking for a celebration for the holidays or 
you know, for anything else during the year, it's a great way to mark an event as a special event. They've got right. the free tier seafood platter, and it's just it's the best in the city. I maintain it's the best in the city today, and it was 16 years ago when they opened up. Right, and it's delicious. Just absolutely delicious, yeah. And, and are and you very healthy? Yeah, yeah, very good. Are you cooking for your pals? But what, Rocco? Not that we care anymore about healthy, right? We're we're going to take a break from healthy for a year. Yeah, well, we're going to. You know, <laughs> we're eating real food. It's a little moderation. And when you love food, you want to eat. I mean, food is one of life's great pleasures, and it's also our social lives in many different ways. So are you cooking for your pals on Sunday? Yes. Um, I, I'm. Yeah, you know, you mentioned you make a great point. Food is how we socialize. It's how we tell people we love them, how we tell people we care for them. Uh, it's a way, it's a language, right? It's a language that, that mm-hmm. especially chefs and uh, people like you and me, food enthusiasts, use every single day to, to give meaning to moments in our life and family members. And so it's, sometimes it's very difficult to navigate the, you know, the communication using this food as a language, as your main language, and, uh, you know, make sure that you're checking all the boxes of health and wellness as, as well. So um, probably a good idea to get, get into a physical activity routine so you don't have to worry so much about the food. But, yes, I'm hosting my family again for the first time since the pandemic. Um, my whole family is coming over for Christmas and Christmas Day, yeah, and uh, maybe even New Year's Day. And uh, it's truly one of the great joys of my life. And I'm thinking about how to simplify the menu because I typically do too much, as you, as you probably would expect. Uh, and I'm thinking, you know, there'll be one seafood course and, and one uh, traditional meat course, and that's going to be it. But I doubt that's going to happen. I'll probably end up with. You know what you're going to do. Several, yeah, yeah, I know what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm going to go to Cinderella. I'm going to buy everything I see. <laughs> and there's going to before I know, there's going to be three kinds of potatoes, three kinds of pastas. Yeah. And everything absolutely delicious. And, you know, I've seen you. It's sometimes at night when I can't sleep. I'll go to the Food Network and watch Guy Fieri. The Food Network, if they like you, they run you all the time. And this is Guy's time. He's on night and day. And you're on the Food Network a lot of times with Guy as a judge, as a contestant. And you really, you're, you're so cool at that. Do you feel anxiety in all these contests? <laughs> so uh, I think everyone you ask will tell you that those, those competitions are uh, very provocative. They, they cause a lot of anxiety. They also bring up a lot of really fun feelings. Uh, and all of us, I'm sure, feel some sort of anxiety and performance performance issues um, whenever we, we compete because, you know, they reset the clock, so to speak, every time. You, you never start with an advantage because the competitions, they've gotten smart about it. They know that we know how things are going to go. So if they don't throw, you know, four or five uh, obstacles in our way, it won't be hard enough. So every time you compete, it's with new ingredients, a new time limit, a new game, especially on guys' grocery games, which is super fun. Uh, he does manage to make it really fun. We do laugh a lot. And uh, uh, as, as much as you see me crying on those shows, I'm, I'm also laughing. But it's, it's, you know, it's a pleasure pain thing. Uh, every, right, I like that. It's really fun. <clears throat> it's really fun. I have to say it's really fun. And you know what's interesting? You do, you do discover new things about yourself. In terms of cooking ingredients, understanding of ingredients, he's got so many. He's got thirty-five thousand ingredients, I think, in that store. Mm. 
And so we, we're always using new things. So they'll force you to use, you know, rattles, uh, rattlesnake in a can, whole chicken right. in a can, tactical bacon, crazy things. Yeah, tapioca <laughs> you wouldn't normally use. So uh, it's kind of fun and challenging, and it does, you know, uh, itch your cook bone or your culinary bone. And you have to scratch it and figure out what, what's up and what's in your mind and what you're going to do. Yeah. And it's very I'm interesting. Glad you, I'm glad you find it entertaining, yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting to watch the way they do this, you know, where it's um, people pitted against each other. There's a huge time factor involved. So you sort of feel that anxiety when you're watching this, but it seems to be a very big thing. The audiences love these competitions. I wonder if, like, do you love the competitions or you'd rather just cook? You know, I prefer the competitions over the judging. So I do both for Guys Grocery Games and for Tournament of Champions and on Guys Ranch Kitchen and other shows on Food Network. And I prefer the competitions because um, it feels a little more honest to me. And I I, uh, I know what to do when, you know, ingredients are laid out before me and there's a time crunch because that's just like sort of everyday cooking, right? It's always like that. Uh, and, and the judging is where it gets a little... Uh, challenging because you know you, you just never know how much of judging is personal preference you know how how right fair you're being. So you're always second guessing yourself right was i fair enough did i did i score them properly uh what i love about tournament of champions guys new show which is in season four we just shot season four is that it's blind judging and uh he's got some really amazing judges on there like Nancy Silverton and Jonathan Waxman and yeah, uh, other really really big chefs. Yeah, so they're they're just top of their game, and uh, it's blind judging. You don't know who you're judging. You don't know what the challenge was. So uh, it really comes down to taste, execution, you know, attractiveness of the plate. So it's more it's a little more fair, and I feel a little more comfortable judging in that arena. Also, that that kitchen is so enormous. If your cardio isn't a hundred percent, you're going to lose. Because you have to run around. Cardio condition, yeah. But it's the most important thing for new contestants. I say, cardio. You have to be able to run a mile in six minutes. Oh my gosh! But but it's amazing (laughs) to see you and see all these top chefs because you don't know, right, what you're going to be asked to cook or what you're going to make, and you just know that ingredients are there. So whatever they want, they can get, but. A chef has to really keep calm and be solid on his or her feet. And to make some of these things are very complicated and do it in a time frame. So you have to watch the clock, cook, taste, and then, you know, hope it worked. For sure. You described it perfectly. There's a a lot to think about. The time crunch is, you know, very real. It's usually 35 minutes. And, you know, it takes five to seven minutes just to grab your ingredients. And then there's, you know, a lot of zonk ingredients and obstacles like, you know, uh, we need you to use a, uh, you know, a, a TV grill, uh, you know, the George Foreman grill or, oh or uh, you know, uh, an immersion blender that is, you know, only an inch long or, you know, just funny stuff like that to keep it interesting. So right. being calm and grace under fire is you know, certainly a big part of it. And there are people who are just you know, absolutely amazing at it. Brooke Williamson and Manit Chon, who won your you know, season one and season two, they, they do this, you know, without any, without breaking a sweat. They just get to work and they can stay steady and calm. And no matter how much pressure guy uh, applies, they just perform, perform, perform. And I take my hat off to them. I believe I lost to Manit Chon in the first season 
And you know what? I, I gave it up to her willingly. I said, you won, you know, fair and square without doubt. You just, you outperform me in every way. And, uh, you know, there are people who are really, really good at this. I think if you're about 10 years younger, you grew up in this world of reality competition. So you've done many, many of these, and, and it's just second nature. Right. Well, uh, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun to watch it, too. So and I'm glad you think it's fun. Watching us suffer is fun, huh, Joan? I get it. Right. So if you could do anything, you know, and there's so much around and you are doing so many different things, what would your preference be? You know what Welcome. I would love to do what? right now? I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, you can hear me, right? Yeah. Okay, I've been thinking about this a lot. What I would love to do is to have a 10-person counter in the West Village somewhere and just make six pasta courses, a la minute, complete uh, omakase style. Just whatever I felt like cooking, you know, for 90 minutes for 10 people, three times a night. Doesn't that sound like heaven? Sounds like heaven to me. You know what? It sounds great. The only thing is you'd have a hard time getting your turnover because no one's going to want to leave. They're going to sit at your counter eating. 90 minutes, yeah. Yeah. You know, you'd have to have a limit on it too, but it's a great idea. I always thought in my neighborhood, I didn't think so much about pasta, but I thought about a very late night Chinese menu that would be served from 10 o'clock till midnight, you know, and it could be whatever. But again, a long counter with that. But I think I like the idea of pasta even better. Yeah, that sounds delicious. Everybody loves pasta. Everyone is in love with, you know, delicious pasta. And now people really understand luxury ingredients, luxury ingredients that you and I used to talk about 20 years ago. People really get those, and they understand why they're expensive and special. And so I think it would be a really good opportunity to make, you know, pasta with truffles, pasta with caviar, pasta with 36, you know, month aged Parmesan Reggiano, those kinds of things that we're always thinking twice about in regular restaurant everyday business. And what is your comfort pasta when you need something? That's easy. Your weekend is not complete without the First Lady of New York Radio. It's the Joan Hamburg Show.